0: This is gonna be the final session on prayer. We've talked uh, about prayer from the Siddur, and we've talked about prayer from Yeshua's perspective, and we've talked about prayer from the parables. I wanna do a couple of things tonight. I wanna talk about how you pray, and I also wanna talk about the times when God doesn't seem to hear prayer. The first thing to understand is that prayer is not formulaic. Yeshua gave us a model prayer in the Lord's Prayer but if you look at Romans and I'm in Romans 8 26 it says likewise the Spirit also helps us in our weakness for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of god and we know that all things work together for good to those who love god to those who are called according to his purpose for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren moreover whom he predestined these he also called whom he called he also justified whom he justified these he glorified i'm not going to go into the calvinistic aspects of this done that in the past, and that's not really our subject tonight. But the thing that's interesting here is Paul says that we generally don't really know what to pray for, and that one of the functions of the Holy Spirit is to help us out with that. Now, you can go two ways on this. You can either go as this is an endorsement of praying in tongues, the Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered, or you can look at it, that the Spirit himself is making utterance before the throne of God, and he sort of takes the prayers that you don't know what to do with and cleans them up and presents them to God for you. Go either way with it, but the point is if you are seeking God and you're seeking a relationship with him and you're seeking to talk to him, God will do more than 50% of the work. That's one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit. And I don't know what the mechanics are. I do happen to pray in tongues, but I don't know that that's what's being spoken of here. It may be that things will come through your mind and I know in congregation I will be thinking of something that needs to be prayed for and somebody else will pipe up and start. I see that as a direct confirmation of this particular passage of scripture. The other thing that will happen in congregations I'll be sitting there thinking something has to be prayed for and generally since I get so much opportunity to talk in the congregation I will usually sit back for a while to see if somebody else will step up and pray for it and after enough of an interval has gone by if nobody has then I will but very often I know what's going to be prayed for next and I know who's going to do it and lo and behold whoever's voice it is will come up and they'll start praying about just exactly what I was thinking about so clearly the Spirit speaks to us if we'll listen and very often You'll hear the Spirit and you'll not realize it's the Spirit and you'll sort of go, oh, and drift off and go do something else or think about something else or get sidetracked or whatever. But this passage of Scripture says that the Spirit influences how we pray if you listen to Him. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. There's two conditions there. All things don't work together for good. There's some conditions. In order for all things to work together for good and to have the Holy Spirit working for you, you need to love God and you need to be trying to figure out and and do what his purpose is. And then he'll supply the details and make it work out for you. But lots of people don't really understand that and they think that things just randomly work for good and that's not true the other thing I would say is God won't do something for you that he's told you to do and lots of people pray prayers that are a waste of bandwidth, a waste of time a waste of breath in the sense that you may be working on a relationship with God they're not a waste of time but as far as getting them answered they're a waste of time because people will pray for things that God has already told you you're supposed to do so if you go to the passage, it says, resist the devil and he will flee. Well, who's supposed to resist the devil? You are. So if you pray for God to keep the devil away from you, that's a waste of bandwidth. In other words, if God has given you instructions in the word on what he wants you to do, and then you go pray for him to do that, it's a waste of your time. In Exodus, where they're crossing the Red Sea, and the children of Israel are standing, and Moses is crying out to God, and God says, quit praying and walk. People pray often in ways that they don't expect an answer. So, what do I mean? The classic example is when somebody stands up and you have somebody sick and you say, Oh God, if it be your will, please heal this poor wretch. That's a wasted prayer. God is unequivocal that it's his will to heal, and it's done by Messiah. So, praying a prayer like that is basically covering yourself. When the answer you don't expect doesn't show up, meaning that you didn't really expect anything to happen. And if something does happen, oh, wow, shazam, isn't that cool? But lots of people pray not really expecting an answer. And you can hear it in their prayers. Listen to people pray and you can hear it in their prayers. What you need to do is you need to pray positively according to the will of God, which means you need to know what the will of God is. And there's two ways you can find out what the will of God is. Through the Holy Spirit, we talked about that leading off, and read the word. And if you don't have a leading of the Holy Spirit, or it isn't positively stated in the word, you're wasting your time. And, oh, by the way, the Holy Spirit will never lead you contrary to the word. What the Holy Spirit will do is provide details, directions, specifics. In other words, you're supposed to pray about this now. But that doesn't mean that you're supposed to pray about this in a way that's contrary to what the written word of God says. So it's real important that you ascertain what the word of God is. And and the only way you can do that, as I say, you have to study the word of God. If you study the word of God, you realize that it's his will to heal. It's unequivocal. Therefore, if you're praying for somebody's healing, you can stand up there boldly and you can say, you be healed. The last one is, What about cases when God doesn't answer? And I will go to Jeremiah 29 in verse 10. For thus says the Lord, After 70 years are completed in Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word toward you, and cause you to return to this place. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me. When you search for me with all your heart, I will be found by you, says the Lord. And I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations from all the places where I have driven you, says the Lord. And I will bring you to the place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. Now, there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff in there. People concentrate on the part, I will do you good. For the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. That's the part of that passage that everybody zeroes in on. It's a great passage of Scripture. Rightly so. But there's some other stuff in there. It says that when you turn to me with your whole heart after 70 years, then I will hear you. What does that imply? I'm not listening. He has put you where you are in exile. And he's put you in exile for 70 years. And until the 70 years are up, don't come whining to me about your exile because I'm not listening to you. Sort of like when you put your kid in time out. Now you can pray to him about other things. You can pray and you can work on your relationship with God. But if you can ask me about going home from Babylon, I'm not listening. And there are other cases where God doesn't listen to your prayers. When you're crosswise with your brother. In the Hebrew culture... One of the reasons that you see so many Jewish women with so much jewelry on is because God doesn't listen to your prayers unless you treat your wife well. Understand that there are things that will turn off the ear of God and by and large there are things that are under your control. Now if you happen to be living in Babylon that was under your control before you left but it no longer is under your control the reason that the children of Israel and Babylon is because of disobedience, so they had control over that situation. So understand that there are circumstances under which God doesn't listen. You can get upset about it, you can yell and scream and stamp your foot like a two-year-old, or you can get the problem fixed. For those who are worried about the book of Revelation, it is not in fact the case that you are going to be able to get together with ten of your buddies and form a minion and stop that. It's prophesied going to happen now there is a place for prayer as part of that prayers for protection prayers for guidance strength all sorts of very good prayers during that thing that's happening but saying god stop the second coming no i'm not ready that prayer is not going to be answered it's real important that you understand that because your prayers are extremely powerful but they are not magic And there's a difference between magic and effective prayer. It's important to understand that you don't get to work magic. That's illegal. But it is important that you positively state what you want to have happen in a way that presupposes that it does happen. That's sort of the end of my prepared text. What I've got here is a book that's put out by Derek Prince. Many of you may know him. I liked him a lot when he was alive and this is called prayers and proclamations and I only have one copy of it you can get it from his website if you want it but basically what he says is as you go through life what you need to be doing is proclaiming the word of God into your life and your situations and he's got it broken down with scriptures that he has found useful in various situations it doesn't mean that those are the ones you have to use it's not magic it's simply these are ones that he has found personally useful and powerful as he's gone through his life in fact the book is written with a whole lot of blank pages with lines on them so that as you are going through a section and you find a piece of scripture that seems to you more apt than the ones he's picked you can write it down as I said this is not a book of incantations it's a book of suggestions on how you pray into various situations in your life. And I'll read the list, and then we'll go through a couple of them. The first one is for righteousness and holiness. The second one is for health and strength. The third one is guidance, protection, and preservation. The fourth one is God's intervention in human affairs. The fifth one is testing and trial. Then spiritual conflict. Then perfect redemption. Mental and emotional stability. Serving God. The exchange made on the cross, and then let the redeemed say so, and then finally, nothing but the blood. Those are the categories he's got. So, the places that struck me are health and strength, and the passages of scripture that he likes. His first one is from Isaiah 40, verses 28 through 31. Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The way he recommends that you use these, and I agree, is when you're in a situation where you're not feeling healthy and you're not feeling especially strong you do what i just did and you pull it out and you read it out loud in a firm steady voice and then you say that's for me and that's my prayer and what you're doing is you're speaking the word of god into your situation there are some that i've memorized the one that i said last time no weapon formed against me will prosper And every tongue that rises against me in judgment, I do condemn. This is my heritage as a servant of the Lord. When I'm feeling beset, I will say that in a firm, steady voice and say, that's me. That applies to me. These are his favorites, but obviously you'll have your own favorites. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will bear fruit with old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Psalm 91. And again, if you're feeling poorly and under the weather, I think that's a good one. For guidance and preservation. The Lord shall preserve me from all evil. He shall preserve my soul. The Lord shall preserve my going out and my coming in from this time forth, even forevermore. And if you're talking about revelation, That would be a good one to memorize. There is a path which no fowl knoweth, which the vulture's eye hath not seen. The lion's whelp hath not trodden it, nor the fierce lion passed by it, seeing it is hid from the eyes of all living and kept close from the fowls of the air. That's from Job 28. And then Psalm 27 in its entirety, or the first six verses anyway, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked come against me to eat up my flesh, my enemies and foes, they stumbled and fell. Notice how this is first person. Though an army should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle he shall hide me. He shall set me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. Therefore I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. The other thing that I suggest, and we do this at Shabbat, is there are lots and lots of prayers that are written in a person that isn't appropriate to what you're talking about. So, for example, when I pray for Proverbs 31 over K, it's written in the third person. Her worth is far above rubies, and, and it's all third person. Nothing that says that you can't make that first or second person. So as you're reading these passages of Scripture, again, the, the one that I quoted about, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. That's not what's written in Scripture. What's written in Scripture is no weapon formed against you shall prosper and every tongue that rises against you in judgment you shall condemn this is your heritage as a child of the Lord well when I'm proclaiming that I turn it around and I say no weapon formed against me so I'm taking it and making it personal And there's power in that because what you're doing is you're standing on the Word of God and you are speaking it out authoritatively into your situation and there's nothing that says that you can't adjust person and tense to fit what's going on in your life just right then when you're having a conversation with someone you would like to have him repeat back to you what you said paraphrased as opposed to like a tape recorder because if you've taken it paraphrased it that indicates that you've understood it and digested it so when you're quoting scripture back to the lord i mean unless it's something specific like a prophecy that has to be what it is but when you're doing these things where you're speaking the word of god into your situation i think that's very appropriate that you paraphrase what scripture says assuming you don't paraphrase the sense out of it obviously but if you understand it making changes in it to fit your situation is exactly appropriate i think in times of testing and trial but thanks be to god who gives us the victory through our lord yeshua messiah Therefore, my beloved brethren, we are steadfast, immobile, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that our labor is not in vain in the Lord. So again, when you're being beset for what you're doing, which is not uncommon, it's good scripture. Well, here's the one, therefore we submit to God, we resist the devil, and he will flee from us. James 4.7. Obviously, I belabored this earlier on. If he tells you to resist the devil he's not going to do that for you and it's the same thing with all of these passages of scripture if he gives you instructions on what to do praying for him to do what he's told you to do is a waste of time. The scripture says two things one deliver us from evil and two resist the devil so what you're asking for is victory in your resistance but that doesn't mean he's going to resist for you in other words if, if the devil is tempting you to do something God's not going to come in and make that choice for you. For example, if you have a problem with alcohol and you walk by the neighborhood bar, oh God, protect me from temptation. Well, no. Temptation is something you've got to resist. He gives you a great deal of power and a great deal of strength, but what he doesn't do is (laughs) step inside your body and take over the levers. You've got to act. You've got to speak the word yourself. You've got to do the things that you're supposed to do. He won't do that for you and I, I mean that literally, it's won't because he has given you that authority You know, it's again just like with your children if you give one of your children authority to do something and the task to do something the last thing that you want to do is then step in and do it for them, there's no growth there there's no learning there, there's no development there if I'm going to do it all my life why do I need you? You know, that kind of an attitude one of the things that we've said is that this place is a sorter sorting sheep from goats and that sorting process involves testing and trial so the tests and the trials that come into your life are there to develop you. He won't make those choices for you and he won't take those trials away from you. What he'll do is he'll help you through them but that's different and the way you pray is different. So as you're praying think about what you're asking for think about what you're saying and think about what you know about the will of God and if you know that it's his will to grow you to mature you and so forth and you are in a situation where you need to exhibit some self-control or some strength or some perseverance or some whatever in order to grow ask for strength to get through it ask for strength to prevail ask for power to prevail but asking for the trial to be taken away you've defeated the purpose and certainly you can ask not to be overwhelmed because trials can come on you at such a rate that they overwhelm you and I would certainly think it's appropriate to ask not to be overwhelmed for though we walk in the flesh we do not war after the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb, and by the word of our testimony, and we do not love our f- flesh to the death. Revelation. Isaiah 54:17. No weapon that is formed against us shall prosper, and every tongue that rises against us in judgment we do condemn. This is our heritage as the servants of the Lord, and our righteousness is from you, O Lord of hosts. All disease is a result of sin, not necessarily the sin of the one who is sick. But there is sin involved somewhere. And so one of the things that you're praying about as you pray for healing, you should be praying to figure out what the source of the problem is. You should be praying to heal the source of the problem. Have you read Henry Wright? He he talks about the same thing. One example that he uses, he was talking to a couple of women who were all crippled up with arthritis and came to him for healing. And he started talking to them and praying with them. And what they finally started praying against was the spirit of bitterness. And when they got rid of the spirit of bitterness, their hands straightened up. He never did pray for healing. Once the spirit of bitterness was gone, their hands healed. The body will heal itself if given an opportunity. So as you're praying for healing, one of the things that you should be praying for is spiritual discernment to figure out what the cause of the problem is. And you may not get an answer, in which case just obviously pray for healing because that's a prayer that's in accordance with the will of God. So there's nothing wrong with that prayer, but as you're praying for healing, you ought to also be praying for spiritual discernment so you can figure out why is this person getting sick and can we heal that, in which case the body is perfectly capable of repairing itself. It was designed to do that. That's happened to me lots of times where I've prayed for people and something will come to me and I'll start praying against a specific spirit and... Something will happen and people go like this and the problem, whatever it was, goes away. And again, I'm, you know, if you got somebody gushing blood all over the floor, it's not the time to pray for the spiritual roots of that problem. You need to get the blood flow stopped. And, and you need to pray for physical healing. So you need to use some discernment there is what, is what I'm saying. Please consider becoming a sponsor. You can sponsor us for as little as a dollar a month. Please visit crimsonthread.com purpose for an explanation of what we're doing and perhaps to become a sponsor. Thank you.